Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to this month's Emerging Market Lens and Look Through podcast. I am your host, Damian Sassauer, and today, December 5th, we are joined by the incomparable Kathy Hepworth, Managing Director and Head of Emerging Market Debt at Prudential Global Investment Management, PGM. A real privilege to have you here, Kathy. Thanks for taking the time to join us. No, thrilled to be here. Looking forward to it. Well, as we were just discussing off air, it's been another November to remember in emerging market fixed income. We've got EM hard currency credit up around about 5.3% on the month and EM local government debt north of 6%. Yet unlike last year, we've kind of come out the other side with currency vol, not just in EM, but in G10 as well at very low levels. And so as we kind of look ahead to 2024, how has risk changed? in EM fixed income, and how should investors be approaching the asset class? So w- let me start by saying that you know, EM has always had to be managed through the lens of the global macro landscape, right? So the question you're getting at is really hits on that theme. So I think it's really all about what's the outlook for growth in emerging markets as we head into 2024 for emerging markets specifically. And if we look back to the fourth quarter of 22, that huge tailwind theme that we had was clearly the reopening theme in China as we went into the beginning of 2023. Now, as we're poised to enter 2024, a few things have changed. Number one, we're not so clear about what's happening with China growth, uh, clearly acknowledging all the stimulus, but I don't think that that tailwind is the same as what it was last year. There's much more of a headwind. So let's just for a second assume that China's going to continue to utilize more stimulus. We're coming off a year where U.S. has exhibited significantly more resilience than anybody thought, particularly in light of the how tight global conditions, financial conditions were. Clearly, they've listened to your point in November to remember, but. That you know we're at the, the precipice now of the Fed likely being done, and the market's going to debate when exactly you know is it going to be higher for longer? Are they going to cut? When are they going to cut? But that's a significant theme, I think, as we head into 2024, because one of the other themes that you touched upon was you know currencies and the relative performance of the dollar, not only to EM currencies, but to G10, because that is gonna, what's gonna matter in that regard is going to be capital flows, right? Portfolio flows and FDI into EM. And that gets me back to how I started the answer with, it's really gonna be, I think 2024, for all of the different subsectors in EMD is gonna be about EM growth, because many of the EM central banks have been cutting rates, are going to continue to cut. Perhaps we're not going to see that strong dollar pattern as much as we did for a good part of 2023. I think we're going to see some flows going into EM. So yes, the macro matters, the macro lens matters, and that's going to be a determining factor for EM. But we also can never forget about the idiosyncratic political and economic developments 
um, where the real sort of relative value alpha generating opportunities exist. Well, I mean, you've just basically hit it squarely on the head. And so far as I'm concerned, Kathy, it is all about growth. It's all about capital flows, right? As we look into the new year, I mean, is it going to be a hard or soft landing in the U.S.? Because that's really going to tell us whether or not capital flows are strong or weak into EM. And obviously, I agree with everything you're saying and the spillover to, to currencies and to those rate markets. And so speaking about those emerging market uh, about EM rates, EM policy rates are now well above pre-pandemic levels, yet easing cycles have already begun in places like, you know, Brazil, Chile, Hungary, Poland, etc. And so, you know, as I look ahead to 2024, I'm seeing forward markets extending some of these, you know, uh, easing regimes to places like obviously the Czech Republic, but also Colombia, Israel, Romania. I'm, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts as we look ahead to 2024. What do the inflation dynamics look like EM? And what are the scope for central banks to cut? Yeah. So I I think the inflation dynamics look good in that it's we see disinflation, right? And we all know that we saw the goods disinflation first with tradables. And what's been sticky is services inflation. We do think that even in the local markets where inflation dynamics have been more complicated and services inflation has been high, that when we look forward, we're beginning to see some of that inflation churn as well. So I think it's fair to say that a really relatively easy trade for next year is in EM local rates hedged. Um, Clearly, there's going to be winners and there are going to be a few losers. So I think the forward market is it had taken a step back, right? The market was incredibly aggressive in pricing in significant rate cuts. And then, you know, everybody in the world was trying to figure out exactly what the U.S. was going to do. And now I think the market is rethinking some of that pullback and saying, you know what? I like what I see in Brazil. I have to be long rates in Mexico because it's going to behave like the U.S. with a little bit of extra. And then in some of those other markets, maybe we have to wait a little bit in um, Colombia, but ultimately those inflation dynamics are likewise going to change. And and I think it's a matter of um, looking at what's priced in and what's not priced in, but you also, you know, there's going to be, I think, a lot of uh, potential for capital appreciation. And, you know, to your point, real rates in a lot of these markets are still pretty high and pretty attractive. And I think, again, if those flows come back into the local markets in EM, that that too is going to to be a bit of a, of a tailwind. So, you know, it's funny because if you look at the winners and losers in EM currencies this year, it's largely been a carry story, right? And I mean, if you look at carry performance, yes, yes. however, it sort of started to stall around mid-year, you know? Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, carry's been an absolute killer this year, but, you know, it's it's you, you can kind of get a sense that the, the beta regime is shifting. And so my question for you is, is that something you're seeing? And if it does shift, do you see it shifting more to growth or in terms of trade as a driver for currency performance? Or is it going to be value? You know, is it going to be maybe, you know, an up in quality move because maybe there's a harder landing than we otherwise expect? I'm just curious to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, I think the, the real answer is all of the above, right? <laughs> because I don't think we're going to have one regime next year. Right? We might go into the beginning of 2024 with everybody feeling like, depending on what happens with the data, okay, you know, maybe the maybe the Fed will 
begin cutting in March. I'm not saying that's necessarily my base case or a base case, but right, the market is sort of saying that, you know, maybe, maybe that will happen. So everybody's going to be buying into the soft landing. Perhaps the dollar, you won't be as strong from a relative perspective. And I do think that those high carry currencies, right, because that's going to be the investment thesis for fixed income in general, right? Just because yields are still very attractive from an historic perspective. So I think we'll start the year with, okay, yeah, there's going to be high carry um, themes playing out. Uh, we're going to look for relative growth themes that are playing out because perhaps in some of the Asian markets, carry isn't necessarily as attractive, uh, but the growth is better, right? Ex-China, um, and, and China growth isn't going to be terrible, right? Uh, likely be between four and a half and five percent next year but you have decent growth in india you have decent growth in indonesia and some other countries as well as some latin american countries so i think that theme is going to play out however if the market starts getting worried about a recession because let's face it right there are lots of events that are happening next year we still have geopolitics to worry about we have elections in DM, not the least of which is in the United States, and many, many elections and you know, major ones in emerging market countries as well. So I do think that there could also be a regime for part of next year where the market gets worried again about a recession uh, and where perhaps, you know, maybe some of those higher carry currencies, if the dollar does resume a lot of strength, um, potentially won't do as well, you know, depending on the country's own sort of balance of payment dynamics. Well, if I'm hearing you correctly, it seems like, you know, if we do have a soft landing, I think Asia, you know, just as you mentioned, you know, some of those economies there are probably, it's probably a little bit better position to outperform yet. If we have a harder landing, those high carry, you know, countries like LATAM, for example, might provide you a little bit better cushion, you know, in that environment. Again, if I'm hearing you correctly, and I may be off, but, you know, you mentioned the elections, you mentioned ballots being cast in more than 30 countries next year, the U.S. notwithstanding, you know, India, Mexico, Indonesia, South Africa. I mean, this is shaping up to be a huge year in terms of electoral risk. What are your thoughts there? Which which elections are catching your eye most? I think the opportunities in EM always present themselves when there's these this political risk. Um, and it's magnified next year because we have this geopolitical context where, you know, we can characterize it as the, you know, great power competition, right? All this is happening in the context of, oh, people are noticing that all of these different emerging market countries are going to have an impact on the that great power competition, say, between China and, and the U.S. So they're, I think, emerging uh, with a little bit more potential influence on the rest of the world. All right, so let me get back to the point of the election, which are going to matter. I clearly the countries that are larger and where there's a bigger impact in terms of their, let's call it global reach. So India, because it's such a big country, because of the role that, and, and, and I think we're going to know the outcome of the election in India. I don't know that we're necessarily going to be that surprised, but India's going to play, you know, an increasingly pivotal role, I think, in the geopolitical realm and in power politics, you know, between the West and, you know, the rest of the world. Uh, and hopefully they'll play it to their advantage uh, and it won't be destabilizing. Oh, and by so the way, we, IGBs might be included in some of the bigger bond benchmarks in the not foreseeable future. But Exactly. And, and they are, right? The local bonds in India uh, will, will be in the, in the JP Morgan family, the, the GBI. 
And then of course there's um, Mexico and Mexico is incredibly important for lots of reasons that have to do with the outlook for the US. Um, but also, you know, it has been the beneficiary of a lot of this reshoring, nearshoring. Um, and again, this is an example where I don't think the outcome is going to be that much of a surprise and we expect policy continuity. But Mexico is a large investment grade emerging market country that uh, has, uh, I think, a big impact on how investors in EM look at the stability of the asset class and the opportunities either in credit or in FX or in local bonds. And it's a country that is surprised in terms of having a what one would characterize as a populist president and through COVID managed to have policies, at least from the fiscal perspective, that were maybe different than some of the policies that other countries pursued. Um, but nonetheless, I, I think took advantage of what was happening in the rest of the world. And I think going forward, and, and this and the opportunities I'm referring to are what might happen with capital flows. I think in the next administration, Mexico this year, their growth is really benefiting from investment, uh, including FDI. I think with the right policy mix as it pertains to the energy sector and the electricity sector, New Mexico is poised to uh, have an even bigger influence going forward post-election. Kathy, I know this is more of a Greg Peters question, but I'm going to apologize in advance for it. I mean, you know, you mentioned macro and having that impact on EM, so I have to go there. Stagflation, we know it's taking hold globally. Central banks are universally, you know, we thought they were trying to shrink their balance sheets, but now we're finding that some are not. But nevertheless, through it all, primary markets in EM have remained really quite healthy, right? And, you know, my my fear is as we look ahead to the new year with Fed runoff and all this issuance, this crowding out effect, is there a possibility that EM could, be, could bear the brunt of that, specifically when you look at the spread of U.S. Treasury yields relative to, you know, for example, the average yield to worst on, on GBIM, right? I mean, it's not that wide. Right. No, the, that that's exactly right. I think what matters here is that well, that could possibly, I mean, that could absolutely happen, right? Um, and there we're in the realm of balance sheet runoff and other factors have a negative impact on risk sentiment. You know, maybe that does potentially tip the market, say, to a recession in the U.S. or something close to the recession in the U.S. And that is not necessarily the best scenario for EM. However, I think what really matters is, well, what's the flavor of that recession? And what's the reaction function of the Fed as it pertains to balance sheet, you know, as it pertains to policy rates? Um, and given that we've had so much negative fund flows in emerging market debt over the past few years in hard currency and in local, and to your point, yes, part of the resilience in these emerging market countries has been the fact that they've been a lot less dependent on external markets because their local markets are developed from a policy perspective, central banks, um, perhaps to a lesser extent, but they're still giving some credit from a fiscal perspective. They did the right things. So I think that that vulnerability link is a lot less than it used to be historically. So it's not a great scenario if some of those headwinds end up emerging. It's not necessarily the best environment for EM, but you know what? I think there are a lot of investors out there that would welcome a sell-off as an opportunity then to say, let me take a step back. The market always you know, overreacts. There will be opportunities for you know, overweights and underweights in that scenario across credit rates 
as well as FX. And I don't, so I don't think it's going to be a scenario where it means you're going to see a significant amount of outflows, fund outflows coming from the asset class, because it's already repriced from that yield perspective, at least particularly in, in hard currency. Um, so I think that that would be perceived as a buying opportunity, everything else being equal. Well, I got to say, Kathy, you know, when you take talk about emerging markets and you use the synonym resilience, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I really do agree with you. I mean, you know, we hate talking about fundamentals. Fundamentals don't matter anymore. But disinflation, narrowing fiscal deficits, current account improvement, you know, debt to GDP seems stable. You know, EM is kind of, you know, yeah, it looks kind of resilient, you know. But, you know, I guess, look, you know, time is running short. And I just have one last question before I lose you here. It's, you know, as we look ahead, you know, I mean, EM growth, I think, is going to end 2020 just north of 4%. Uh, I think consensus is looking for modest downside next year. What risks, in your opinion, are markets currently not pricing in for 2024? I mean, where is the pain trade? I think the markets are being reasonable in terms of after everything that's happened. I think the markets are reasonably saying EM growth next year could be 4%. Um, EM growth, ex-China, maybe 3.6%. That differential between DM growth is is pretty healthy in in that regard. And, you know, if I look at spreads, it looks like, wow, you know, things seem really tight. Maybe the market's pricing in way too much optimism. But you have to look underneath the hood. You have to look at the fact that EM high-yield spreads are significantly wider than EM. And our approach has always been a barbell. There's some really high quality corporates, quasi sovereigns that you want to own, triple Bs, perhaps you're getting a little extra premium. And then there's distressed, right? EM distressed has priced in a lot of bad outcomes. And the skill there is to figure out where there's upside, regardless of whether or not the country's in default or if it's just trading um, in distressed land. So I, I think markets doing a decent enough job when it comes to credit, right? And it's up to an active manager to pick those alpha generating uh, positions. Um, and when it comes to um, FX, it's incredibly fluid, right? As, as as it always is when it comes to FX. And when it comes to rates, uh, I think uh, it's going to really just be a country by country story. Kathy. Thank you so very much for sharing your thoughts, your views with us here today. Kathy Hepworth, Managing Director, Head of EM Debt at PGM. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to our audience of ever-enduring, always-committed EM enthusiasts for your time and your continued interest. Keep well, stay safe, and keep moving forward.